to Love Stories, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your app software needs, BulletPad for building lists on your iPad, and also supported by listeners, folks like you. I'm Kira Van Ittersum. My story today is Going Home, and it was written and copyrighted in 2014. Missy had that familiar sense of unrest, the feeling that it was time for a change. She recognized it as an almost physical need. She would often have this feeling when she had stayed too long in one place. But she had come to realize that this feeling really meant that she had a deep-seated longing to go home again. The home that she longed for wasn't Missy's home, really. It was her grandma's. When Missy was a kid, her immediate family moved about a dozen times, mostly all around the western Detroit suburbs. But a couple of times, they staked out temporarily in South Carolina, where both her mom and her dad had family roots, and where, in fact, Missy herself had been born. Regardless of where they actually lived, though, the one constant home in Missy's life was that of her mother's mama. It was her grandma's place, there on Route Number 1, Pelzer, South Carolina. Grandma had a 40-acre farm, and it was the place where Mama was born. Missy always thought of it as simply Grandma's, because it already belonged to Grandma before she married her second husband. Missy's real grandpa, the one she never knew, had died when Mama was 12, and the only grandpa she did know was Grandma's second husband. Mama called him simply Mr. Porter. Though she lived in Michigan most of the time when she was growing up, Missy's family always made at least one annual trek south to reconnect with family, and they always stayed right there at Grandma's house. Grandma's place really was a little patch of heaven. The old home place sat at the edge of the road, where a wide circle drive of rich red clay held the cars of visitors, and when that was full, folks would drive down to an opening at the back side of the house, where a ten-roofed side porch ran the length of the place, ending at the spring-fed well, just outside Grandma's kitchen door. Missy always loved the beautiful music that rain would make as it was landing on that long tin roof. The sound could be heard throughout the house. Across the front expanse of the home's weather-worn exterior was a huge wooden porch with no railings, just a few wooden steps that led up the middle to the entrance of the place. On either side of those steps were Grandma's flower gardens. At the side nearest the driveway, there was a porch swing wide enough to seat three, and strewn along the width of the deck facing the street were cane rockers, and chairs enough to seat four to six more. This is where Grandma, with her visitors, would go to hang out on warm evenings after supper. The entire family would gather there, and on vacation weekends, everyone in the extended clan would come from all around to visit Missy's family, the Yankees. Missy always had the impression that Mama's brothers and sister had a special love for her Mama, and by extension of that family bond, they loved her, too. All the aunts and uncles and cousins and friends would flock over to greet them and to devour Grandma's cooking 
and what a cook she was. Grandma always served the best tasting meals. It was simple fare, once in a while a chicken or pork, and on rare occasions a rabbit or a squirrel from the freezer. But mainly Grandma served vegetables from the huge vegetable garden that ran along both sides of her home and clear up the backside, too, to the distant woods. Grandpa Porter would often be seen plowing along in those fields behind his old mule. Grandma's kitchen was a big one, and she spent a lot of her time there, as Grandma seemed to always be cooking. There was a small table and chairs in one corner, and a pot-bellied stove in another. She had a basin for washing dishes near the door that led out onto the tin-covered porch, and at night she brought out a much bigger tub, which was often filled with heated water drawn up into buckets from the well, as the kitchen became a makeshift bathing room. I'm going to interrupt my story for just a moment here to tell you about a wonderful company that sponsors our show. This segment of Love Stories is sponsored by AppJudo, your complete mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. App Judo follows these same principles in all its software development projects using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. App Judo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, AppJudo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. And now we'll get back to our story at Grandma's house. Every morning, Grandma made huge biscuits for breakfast. Missy loved to watch her shaping the dough in a large wooden bowl. Her biscuits were soft and fluffy, and delicious, too, often served with rich black-strap molasses and home-churned butter. Truth be told, Missy's mama had Grandma's recipe perfected, and at Missy's house, those biscuits were enjoyed all year round, throughout her life, no matter where she lived. Later in the day, Grandma cooked from the garden. She'd choose from a selection of lima beans, carrots, spinach or collard greens, fried okra or squash, green beans seasoned with fatback, corn, or pinto beans, and usually she'd round it all out by adding a huge iron skillet of light cornbread and fresh sliced tomatoes. It didn't matter what Grandma cooked. If it came from the garden, it just tasted divine. Grandma also kept one or two of her special vanilla pound cakes in her cupboard, treats that guests were always allowed to enjoy. Everyone ate in Grandma's dining room, the room that sat between the living room and the kitchen, where Grandma had a large freezer along the wall, near a door that exited out onto that same tin-roofed musical porch. Everyone squeezed around a long table, not a fancy one, just a utility affair, surrounded by long wooden bench seats for the kids and cane chairs for the adults. Family bellies were kept full with both Grandma's food and her love, and on many a steamy night, when the family had retired to the front porch for conversation, Grandpa would pull a few fat watermelons from his garden 
and crack them open at the edge of the porch, offering them up as dessert to the young'uns. Grandma's house, like a lot of southern homes, had no basement. It sat on stilts that kept it off the ground. Often Missy's brother James, who was two years older than she was, would crawl up under the house to search for eggs, since Grandma's chickens ran freely about the yard. Missy was a bit squirmish about doing that job. For most of the year, she was a city girl, and she did not like surprise encounters with creepy crawlies of any kind. Bugs, spiders, snakes, or other little unknown creatures. So, Missy watched from the edge of the house and waited until James arrived with his hands full of eggs and a big, proud grin. James and Missy ran freely around the countryside whenever they visited Grandma. They would sometimes play hide-and-seek around and through the garden, and they climbed the trees on her property at will. They would also pick pecans, peaches, plums, strawberries, and grapes when they were in season, and sometimes they would help Grandpa gather peanuts, which were then roasted and eaten on the front porch. There was a path that ran down from the well toward the barn. The first building you'd see walking down that path, after passing the grape arbors to the left, was the outhouse on the right. It sat far away from the house, for obvious reasons. That's right, though Grandma had three sons who made their living plumbing, she herself did not have an inside bathroom or running water either. The outhouse was a two-seater and always fairly clean, considering its purpose. Farther down the path was a big barn. Inside it, Grandpa kept his farm equipment and even an old antique buggy. And that's where the mule made his home, too. On the other side of the path, across from the barn, was the pig pen, where, on occasion, Grandpa would raise a hog. Across the road from Grandma's house were the horse and cow corrals. Missy and James would have to run down the grassy hillside there and through another cedar-wooded area near the bottom of the hill to get to the swimming hole. There they had their own pool, of sorts. It was deep and cold, and where the creek made its turn through the woods, there was an outcropping of rocks along the shoulder where they could sit and watch if they didn't want to swim, or throw a fish line in as well. It really was an ideal place to take a dip, and from paths along the creek, people would come from all around to do just that. It was a special treat that Grandma's place provided, and it was where Missy and James often ended up on an especially hot day. It was on one of those steamy days when returning from the creek that Missy and James, as they were crossing the road, ran across a pretty little beagle pup. They looked all around but didn't see anyone at all. The puppy had come scampering up to them, not afraid in the least, and when Missy kneeled down to pet it, that pup jumped right into her lap, licking her face and nibbling at her ears. I guess you could say that it was love at first sight. Right then and there, Missy decided that pup was hers. Now here I'm going to take another break from my story for just a moment to thank another special sponsor of my show. This segment of our love stories is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points 
giving structure to your great ideas. Bullet Pad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list. Or use zoom out to get the big picture view. Bullet Pad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for Bullet Pad. Now let's get back to Missy and James who have just found a puppy by the side of the road. James knew that Grandma didn't cotton to dogs. What dogs Grandma and Grandpa did keep were outside animals, often mangy-looking, tick-infested beasts that Grandma would only allow at the back side of the house. Grandpa called them coon dogs, and he'd sometimes run them up into the woods to hunt small game. But an inside dog? A house pet? No, Grandma wouldn't have any use for an animal like that. So, on that day, seeing the children coming across the front yard, Aunt Phyllis who was visiting, got up from her chair on the front porch to greet them. When she caught sight of the puppy, she met them at the porch steps. Where'd y'all get that thing? Don't you bring it up here. You best take it back where you got it. Your grandma will tan your hide if you try to bring that up into her house. Missy started whining. But, Aunt Phyllis, it's only a baby. And quickly James added, We can't leave it where we found it out by the road. Someone will run it over. Look, Aunt Phyllis, pleaded Missy again. It's the sweetest little thing. Isn't it the cutest thing you've ever seen? And it's clean, too. See? Why can't we just keep it till we find out who it belongs to? It's just a sweet little baby. By this time, Mama and Grandma were coming through the screen door, out onto the porch. Both of them caught wind of what was happening and they stood quietly surmising the situation. Grandma did not look happy, but she held her tongue. Mama went down to look at the puppy. She looked up at Grandma, saying, This puppy's been well cared for. Someone's probably hoping you're going to give it a good home. You don't suppose Doyce and Haskell might need a coon dog? In a compromising tone, Mama was referring to her brothers. Grandma said simply, Take it round back. If you don't run off, it can stay a while. Now, as luck would have it, Grandpa had been letting a scrawny-looking bitch hound, which he called Bitsy, take shelter on the back porch. As soon as she saw that puppy, she raised up from her pallet and stumbled up toward it for a closer look. She sniffed and nudged it, and the pup welcomed her with glad affection. Missy and James watched as the older dog reseated herself, and the puppy slipped right in alongside her as if she simply belonged there. Then the children looked at each other, smiling. They both knew now that that puppy would not be running off. For the next few days, that puppy became the focus of attention. Everyone in the family had to admit that the little fellow had charm. Even Grandma had been caught more than a few times smiling as she placed leftovers doused in bacon grease in the dog dish out on the porch. Missy and James romped with that puppy from sunup till sundown. They were now calling it Racket because it barked playfully as they raced it about the yard. The pup followed along with them wherever they went, 
and sometimes the older dog, Bitsy, could also be seen nearby, keeping a watch over her new charge. As the days went by, the end of their vacation was looming closer. Only two days remained until the family would be loading up their car and making that long drive back to Michigan, because Daddy had to return to work. Missy and James had excitedly gone with Uncle Wyman down to the swimming hole. Although allowed to ramble, they weren't allowed to actually go into the water without adult supervision, so this was perhaps their last opportunity. Racket had gone down with them and barked along the shore as they played in the water. Uncle Wyman had brought his fishing pole, determined to catch a few fish before he left, so when the kids had had their fill of swimming, they started up the hill toward Grandma's house without him. Racket nipped at their heels as they made their way through the cedars. James was up ahead, and Missy followed slowly. Those cedar leaves were dry, and Missy had to take her time walking because they poked into her feet. Just as they got to the edge where the woods broke into the grassy clearing, Missy stepped on something unusual. It moved, and then she saw it and let out a squeal. Just as quickly, Racket jumped up at it, and then James was there, taking Missy's hand and dragging her away. Missy started screaming, Stop! James, stop! But James, dragging her fast up that hill, skinning her feet and her legs as they went. Missy, that was a copperhead, he screamed. James! James didn't stop till they were at the top of the hill near the road. Then he turned to look back, and he didn't let go of her. When she saw his face, she could see that it had lost all color. James was white with fear. Missy was sobbing. Please, James, we have to get Racket. I think it bit him. We can't leave him there. But James was busy looking her over. Did it get you, Missy? Did it bite you? Then the tears were streaming down his face, too. No, James, Racket jumped at it and he hugged her tight. Missy, we need to get Daddy. He'll know what to do. Come on. And he led her with brute force across the road and up the front porch. Mama and Grandma were up on the porch swing. Grandma took one look at Missy's legs and feet. Lord have mercy, James. What are you doing? Let that youngin go. Grandma, we got to get Daddy. A snake nearly got her. I think it was a big copperhead. Missy says it went after Racket. I stepped on it, Mama, and then Racket wouldn't let it bite me. Grandma called for Grandpa, and he and Daddy went off down the hillside, Grandpa carrying his twenty-two. It seemed like forever before they returned. Uncle Wyman could be seen first coming up the path at the top of the woods, carrying old Bitsy in his arms. Daddy came next, carrying Racket, who was trying to wiggle free. And finally, Grandpa came up behind them, carrying his rifle and Wyman's fishing gear. As Wyman carried Bitsy on up toward the woods behind the house, Grandpa grabbed a shovel and lit out behind him. Daddy said, Here's your pup, and placed Racket down on Grandma's porch. Not a word of protest passed Grandma's lips. That pup had clearly earned his place there. Daddy looked up the hill. May as well get it out. I'm afraid it was Bitsy that got bit. We figure she was rescuing her puppy. We never found the snake. 
but it likely wouldn't have been biting if it hadn't been stepped on. From the distance a shot was heard. Daddy looked down. That's a shame. Bitsy was a good one. We'll all miss her. Ah, said Mama, and she held Missy close. I'm sorry, baby, but I'm so thankful that snake didn't get you. James held Racket and said over and over, You're a good boy, Racket. You're a good boy. The next day, the kids stayed near the house. Later that evening, they played Monopoly on the floor of the living room, where Racket lay at their feet, having been admitted to the house on that last day before the family departed. Later, they all went back out on the big front porch to enjoy the cooler weather as night drew on. You see, life was simple, yet full at Grandma's. It held a flavor and a charm and a real sense of belonging that no place else seemed to fill. On long, lazy summer days, nestled there at Grandma's side on her big porch swing, life had a comfortable rhythm with the sweet intermingling fragrances of flowers and rich earth the sound of bees and flies and hummingbirds and chickadees, and taking in the sweet, fresh aroma of Grandma herself, enjoying the swaying back-and-forth movement of her big swing, Missy was like a babe in arms, warm, protected, and loved. I enjoyed telling my story today. I'm glad you were with me. You can subscribe to the Love Stories podcast for free on iTunes. Just search for Better Living Institute Podcast. There you can also subscribe to our Healthy Tips podcast and our Book Talk podcast. Or you can find us on the web at www.betterlivinginstitute.com where you'll see all of our shows, articles, and products. Please join me again next time here at the Love Stories podcast. For the Better Living Institute, This is Kira Van Ittersom. So long for now.